lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates, hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and I could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. Well, we needed to buy ourselves an extra 30 seconds. That's why you just had to sit through the Sports Cards Live anthem. But welcome, everybody, to episode 10 of Taking Stock. This is a hobby content collaboration between the Sports Cards Live and the Sports Cards Dad Network. It is Tuesday night, everybody, August 29th, 2023. My name is Jeremy Lee. This handsome guy right there, that is none other than DPZ, Mr. Dennis Zender. Dennis, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm good. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing good, Dennis. I'm doing good. Thank you. Doing good, doing good. I want to thank everybody for joining us last time. We took stock of off-field shenanigans. Great episode. You can see that on both Sports Cards Live and the Sports Cards Dad YouTube channels if you would like to go back and visit that episode. And by the way, if you're not yet subscribed to either channel, please take a moment and do so. We all greatly appreciate it. And as always tonight, your comments, your questions are in play as we take stock of in-person, non-pack-pulled autographs. DPZ, Mr. Dennis Zender, your opening thoughts on this topic, if you don't mind, please. Opening thoughts. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like it, it really comes down to the player and, and it comes down to the card. Um, I feel like in-person is going to matter if, it, if it's an actual experience you had, getting, the, getting that player to sign the card. I think that matters. Um, if you're just buying something online, I, I just feel like it's whatever. It doesn't do anything for me. I think pack pulled it matters more. Um, it's always going to matter more. Uh, the redemptions, the buybacks, those kinds of things. So... I don't know. I, I don't really feel. I don't see it. But um, you know, if it's Babe Ruth on a on a on a Gaudi card, you know, with that ballpoint pen, that could be kind of cool. I can see that. But it's a minimal. I, I think it's a small market. All right. Well, that's a great that's a great way to open it up because I think one of the most important distinctions when we're talking about in person autographs and really, you know, for, first of all, I'm going to come back to that. My opening thoughts are that we're seeing a lot of content on it now whether you're following certain accounts on instagram or you're watching certain channels on youtube you know it's it's always been a thing getting cards autographed in person has been a thing since cards were a thing themselves so it's not new it's only starting to now be discussed and shared and uh and then reshared and and shown off by people which is what we do with our cards so nothing wrong with that but I just want to I just want to like really set the stage here by saying this is nothing new. It's been going on for a long time and it's almost been going on uh, in, in its own sort of subculture of our hobby where there's in there are in person autograph collecting groups where they share the addresses where to send things. So that's not necessarily in person, but it's TTM through the mail is another thing. But we're kind of talking about all of the above even though, and I completely agree with you, Dennis, for a modern player, a player who's still alive or still playing, I mean, I can get their autographs out of a pack in most cases. So unless I'm the one who's going to go to the ballpark or the hockey arena or wherever and the basketball court and get it or, or their hotel and get it signed myself or a card show and get it signed myself and have that experience, 
I don't really want somebody else's in-person autograph. Like that doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. And that's why we have to delineate between alive players and dead players or vintage and modern. Does that align with what you were saying earlier? Yeah, I think so. I think there's going to be a sentiment that feels that card, uh, cards that are signed by players that are no longer with us obviously are going to carry a different appeal than players that are currently modern players or players that are still with us because you know there's an opportunity for them to sign more cards into the future. I think most people in this hobby um, are, are chasing scarcity and rarity. They want to have something unique, something that not everybody else has. And if there's an opportunity to, for that particular population to grow over time, um, it makes it difficult to spend any sort of meaningful amount of money on a card, especially a common card signed by that by that player. Now, there's a whole other conversation that could take place when you talk about an important card, like you know a credentials uh, or a, a, a PMG. That would never happen, but you know these really important rare cards that already have a, a scarcity built in. Would you have that player sign the card? Now, would a Kobe PMG Red sign be worth money right now? Maybe because he's no longer with us, and it'd probably be the only one. So there's there's probably one-offs that we can we can talk through, but I believe that it, it you know there's going to be a segment of the population that goes, yeah, if it's just a common card signed by the the player, great, whatever. I don't think I'm going to pay more for it. A Bowman Chrome first or something like that. Well, there's already Bowman Chrome autographed cards pack pulled. Those are going to always be the premium. But when you're talking about older cards for players that are no longer with us, especially vintage, I think there might be something there, but that's going to come down to the specific player. Um, how often did they sign? Like Mickey Mantle signed a lot of stuff. There's tons of Mickey Mantle signs, signed cards and memorabilia. So I don't know if that carries the same. I mean, you wouldn't want a 52 top sign, in my opinion. That ruins the card. So I think there's going to be some that don't want those certain cards signed. And I agree with that. I, I side with that side of the house. Yeah, there's some people that would say, oh, I totally want my 52 tops Mickey Mantle signed because it's it's there's only however many of them. What Meanwhile, you know, the grading populations are all together are in the thousands. Maybe there's only a couple hundred uh, autographed copies in the population. And then you wonder, well, will there be more? Will, will there be more fines down the road and more of these cards hitting the market eventually? And then the final thing, because we're all about scarcity in the hobby, you know, rarity and scarcity and which are different. But. The other thing, and this is what I've learned from uh, a friend of mine, the hobby, Matty C, who may or may not be watching, is, you know, where is the autograph on the card? Can, can you then further get into the scarceness by saying, okay, there's 300 signed 52 tops Mickey Mantles, you know, and, the, and the several of them he signed it like across the jersey so you can't see it as well. Some of them he signed on the lightest spot of the card where you can see the autograph really well. And is that, you know, a top copy of it? And it, the only way you're going to ever prove this is if you have images of all of them or many of them, and then you can share them. So there are there's so much nuance to it when it comes to the to the vintage side of thing, the old side of things. But I'm with you in that when it comes to so I'm with you in that I understand the the attraction to these things when it comes to a player who has passed away or a player who didn't sign many in person in, in many cards in person because. For whatever reason they just they just didn't that is that that's compelling to me now do i want those in my collection not really i want the card and it's out of the pack form i don't need it autographed that there's i can get mickey mantle autographs on modern cards still you know not all that modern but from the 90s at least and so for me 
I'd rather have the card in its original state, but that's just me. And I have nothing against people that want it autographed. So we've got, we got, I mean, we got lots to talk about. We got lots of comments. Let's do some comments first. David Lowy, welcome to the show. Uh, we got Matt in the house. First comment. There you go. Vintage card collector. Good to, good to have you. Spurs cards in the house. Tampa's in the house. So Matthew says, in my mind, there's a big distinction between players who died before 2020 and those after. See, I don't understand 2020. Why 2020? What happened there, Matthew, to make it more interesting for players who died after? Maybe I'm missing something. There could be something that happened there. But to me, it's it's dependent on not when they, not so much, well, it is dependent on when they died, but it's dependent on how much were they signing before they died as well. Uh, Melia says, if a, if a person passed away, players players are past dead players are a big deal especially if they passed away before it was popular to get cards signed yeah Melly. i mean i just don't know to me it seems like there's always been people getting cards signed since that's why kids wanted those tito sixes back in the day i believe to try and get them signed 90s agrees with the opening comments mookie says some on card autos with those statistic inscriptions look like graffiti to me any on card auto should accentuate the design beauty of the card yeah. I agree. I agree with that. I, if I'm going to have an autograph card, and I I do have a few IP autos in my slabs and everything in my collection, but I don't like inscriptions myself on a card. It just adds more more markings that weren't there when it came out of the pack. But we're going to talk about the. We're also going to talk in a shortly, Dennis. We'll get into the whole. Are they altered? Because we saw we I saw. I don't know if everyone else saw. I saw some story discussions going on between signed and slabbed on instagram and cage lawyer and i want to get into that because i i have a take and i definitely will definitely hear dennis's as well vintage says evolution i've seen high grade vintage rookies being signed risky but i don't see authentic and beat up cards being as popular going forward it depends yeah i don't know i, I don't know like authentic beat up cards yeah I, i'm not sure that they're popular now so i don't know that they would be later anyway um signed i think helps them though 90 says, I would never buy still. It's pretty cool if you're into it. Agree. John says, in general, pack pulled autographs after a player's rookie year tend to have minimal value. I'd rather ha have an in-person signed rookie. Yeah, I mean, if you're only, John, if you're only going based on the value of the card, which a lot of us a lot of us do in this hobby, then, then that's fair. But if it's the experience, I love people who collect in-person autos because of the experience they had meeting the player. And they can have a binder or a box with, all these cards I, I received from the player in person. This is my personal autograph collection. If you're just buying in-person autos that are slabbed off of eBay or PWCC or wherever, uh, to me, there's it's less personal, Dennis, right? Just less, less personal there. Matthew, I'm a purist as well. Prefer my cards unsigned. Yep, same here. Hello, Jeff McMahon. D Stiller, need me a taking stock dual auto. That'd be hilarious. Uh, Matt says the pandemic and the start of the modern card craze signing ramped up significantly at that point from my perspective. I don't see it, Matt. I don't see that at all. I, I just mean because um, uh, simply because I think maybe more and more people joined Instagram and showed their cards, but signing like I don't know how that would have helped Mickey Mantle or Sandy Koufax or Babe Ruth. Um, or even modern players, people stop going out and getting autographs. So I'm still not picking up what you're putting down, Matthew, but definitely would like to, to get to, to understand it better. Philly Joe, good evening. 
Matthew goes on to say 87-ish and 2000-ish are key transition points in the evolution of the hobby. Hello, Jake Dahl. Tampa says it all depends on the card for me. I think that's fair. I mean, what it's that's the thing. You can collect how you like. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You want to listen to other people's opinions and approaches and how they collect. That's more than fine. If they influence you, that's fine too. If they give you an idea that you like better than your pre-existing idea. And Bob's big boy says, I do think that photographs or video of the player signing an item does add to the story and collectability of an in-person autograph. Execution matters too. Picking the right card and signing location, which we mentioned a few minutes ago. And finally, Vintage Card Collector says you need to have the PSA dual card and auto-grade, high-grade vintage rookies with auto-10 will be good long-term hold. Yeah, as long as they don't fade. I'm not a believer in, in, in grading the autograph. I think that's a sham, personally. Uh, and I think it's like a sell-side sort of thing. Like, only sellers care about having that those things dual-signed. And the buyers are buying into the scarcity, I think, not because you can see if an autograph is is, is good or not. I think I, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to disagree with you on that topic. I think the auto grade does matter. I think the auto grade matters in certain in certain points um, or certain in instances. Let's just take a, you know, I Spinatron and I talk a lot these days because I'm, I'm kind of rebuilding my Kobe PC with the Griffey. And, and so looking at, you know, autos for Kobe, it's got a lot of autos. Um, how do you distinguish between, you know, a really good auto, a really good set. You, I mean, I like the grade of the auto, and it's not so much the grade of the auto as you can, you can make that distinction yourself. So I will kind of agree with you in that sense. If you know how to spot a good auto, not streaky, really solid, bright, um, no fading, you can tell it's been cared for, um, it was signed well. I mean, sometimes these these athletes are just signing as quick as they can just to get it out, um, and sometimes they take some special care to sign. So I think it's important to. Um, distinguish between a really good auto, a clean, you know, strong auto. So the grade does help. Um, but, and it gives you a little, and for those particular cards, it gives an extra level of, okay, there's a hundred of these cards. They're all signed, but some of these cards that are signed have better autographs than others. And some of them are graded with such. I, I think it just gives you an, an extra level. Now with modern cards that are, there's so many signed modern cards, does it matter? I don't know because there's so many of those autographs you know they're signed better you know they got the pens they're using I mean, there's i don't i don't know maybe that's maybe a loose argument there but i do believe it's the it, whatever it really comes down to the card itself and the set and the player for a graded auto to matter like a mickey mantle maybe even babe ruth yeah i mean sure the 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 grade i think the grade will matter more on vintage cards perhaps than on modern day cards like to get a pack pulled Future Watch Auto or Bowman card auto, like the, the it's funny because you know Beckett won't even grade it if it's less than a ten now. So, uh, all my my whole thing is that I don't I'm not. Let me put it to you this way: I will not pay a premium for a card that has an autograph grade over one that doesn't when I can see that autograph and tell you that it's a better that it's a, a perfect autograph. I, my I have a good enough eye to do that. Now I can also then buy that card at a discount and and sell into this this the hype or the hype on the 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 two tens on the psa slab seems like that's where all the action is on the psa slab i'll sell into i'll sell into that if you want to pay me a significant premium for a card because psa put another 10 on on their paper label i mean i'd be silly not to do that right because i'm going to make a lot of money off you because you need that 10. nothing changes about the card it was just bumped up to a different slab 
because you're willing to pay an extra however much, not you, Dennis, but anyone, the, the buy side is ready to pay. And they are, we've seen it more money because there's one more 10 on the label. Meanwhile, the autograph is still, you know, if the card was signed in 2015, 16, 17, whenever, most of them are still in perfect condition. So that's where I don't personally care about it. Uh, on a vintage card where there has been different types of pens used, there are there is fading, there might be a scratch through the autograph because the card was played with after it was signed. Then maybe, you know, it makes more sense to me when the autographs aren't great, aren't all very nice like they are on modern cards. But okay, no, and I appreciate that. That those those are great comments right there for sure. Um let's talk, let's just jump into this one now. Let let's jump into there was a post that Cage Lawyer put out on his Instagram, basically saying that any non-pack pulled auto, so in person or through the mail autograph, the card is now altered because there is ink on there that wasn't on there before. And if you if you if you take a card, if I take a card and I write on it and I write Jeremy on the card, I've altered the card with my name. But if Nolan Ryan takes a Nolan Ryan card and he writes Nolan Ryan on there, he's still written his name on the card. It's, he's changed the physical form of the card since it came out of the pack. And he's he's altered it. Now, don't take offense to this, people. Trust me, I'm going to come around. He's altered it by adding his name to the card. So I, I Cage Lawyer made his point. Technically, I think Cage Lawyer is correct. Personally, I think he is correct. The card has been altered from its original form. The technical definition of altered, that, that holds true. You can't argue that sentence. But this is a hobby and it has nuance and it has rules within it. And I believe that the only person who can alter a card by putting their name on it is the person pictured on the card. If the person pictured on the card puts their autograph on the card, I now believe that the hobby and the grading companies have a rule in place, and it's almost like an unwritten rule, but it, it's a rule that the fact that the person pictured on the card wrote their name on the card, that trumps the fact that it's now been altered, and the altered designation or status can be stripped away, and now it's simply an autographed card. But so, so I'm kind of like, walking the line here right i do believe cage's argument was his comment as he wrote it was true but the fact of the matter is is that it doesn't matter it just doesn't matter to the hobby that that nolan ryan altered his card by putting his name on it because nolan ryan is the only person in the world that is allowed to do that and not offend the hobby and therefore the grading companies in the hobby can say that's okay that trumps the rule that says you can't alter a card by writing on it why was this such a big deal in the first place, though? I, I guess I don't understand why why it matters. Maybe. Well, it, it's not that it matters. I think I'm. I just remember reading Cage's post, and then I believe it was David signed and slabbed who who then said, "Well, it doesn't really make sense." Like you know, basically, well, okay, sure they're altered, but why are people paying more for altered cards now that had that have autographs on them? And I think that. I'm just trying to bridge the gap between the, these two people, between Cage and David, and basically bring them together to agree 
let's just let's just search let, let's let's not argue here and i'm not saying they were i'm just saying we're not arguing here we are just searching for the, for the truth for the, for the for the the right way to look at it and i think the right way to look at it is as i is as i said and what i said is not groundbreaking this is obvious to everybody but you have to actually get there in your head and think about it out loud and say it out loud and get everybody on the same page does that make sense that makes sense i mean i guess that makes sense i it's another one of those nuances that we have, you know, I, and I think that that's, I mean, let's face it, our hobby's full of nuance. It's just kind of the way it is. You know, it's, that's kind of what makes the hobby so interesting is there's, there's lots of different viewpoints. There's the tribal knowledge of this is how it's supposed to be. This is how it's always going to be. Um, I was having a discussion with my good friend, Ken, um, here who's with me um, here at school, um, right before having dinner right before this episode. And we were talking about in-person autographs and he kind of went on this big, you know, conversation piece or this this long, um, I would say, monologue about why certain things are accepted by the hobby and why certain things aren't. And it's almost like you start wondering, okay, why do people just automatically go, okay, well, this is the way we've been thinking about it for how long? We have to continue down that path of thinking about things this way. You know, these particular, you know, the, the, all these unwritten rules, right? These unwritten rules of the hobby, we follow them. Um, I, I mean, it plays into the in-person autographs. It plays into the altered conversation. I mean, do we have to continue following these unwritten rules? Is there an opportunity for us to maybe rewrite the chapter and go, wait a second, you know, does, does this really matter? Is this really, because there's some of it doesn't make sense. Some things don't make sense in the hobby. So I'm not going to go down that whole rabbit hole, but the point I'm trying to make is it's like, you know, you've got these, you know, basically accepted truths of our hobby and we all sort of have to fall in line with it because it, unless because there's no, i mean it's really really hard to go okay this will probably segue into my my little rant later but it's hard to create a market for something you have to get a lot of people to buy in to whatever it is so let's just pretend that all of a sudden 1980s baseball and hockey cards in like autographed cards are this big important thing and and all of a sudden you know jeremy starts talking about it dennis gets excited about it and then a couple other content creators get excited content creators get excited about it we start talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and the next thing you know there's a market for 1980s hockey and baseball card in-person autographs it would that stick would it stay and is that even okay like, I mean, I, I might be digress. I got to digress here. But I just feel like there's a, the truths that are accepted by our hobby. Can we challenge them? Jeremy, you've been doing this for a long time. Can we challenge them? I mean, I think if we're not, we're not going to change. So you have to challenge. And, and things do change. The world changes. Ideas change. We were evolving all the time. So I do think it's worth challenging some things. That, like we're challenging there's a challenge. The 86 Jordan, is it a rookie card or not? No, now the star is the rookie. I, I believe the star to be the rookie. Now I've, I've changed my thoughts on that. There can be other really? things. Yeah. I think there are other things that can change, you know, I mean, the whole in on card autograph thing as you know, again, for the longest time, it really wasn't cool for collectors in the seventies to get their cards autographed. You wanted to keep your cards the way they were. It was cool in the 1910s and twenties and thirties for kids that could get it done. You, but I mean, it wasn't like today where you hop on a plane. Back then, you had to get the card and the player had to be there. You had to be able to go to the ballpark and get it autographed. Like, we've had a couple of people let us know that there's only like nine. Here we go. Baseball card nerd says still only 19, 
Mickey Mantles from 52 signed in the PSA DNA report, like only 19 of them that, that, that PSA knows about or has gone to PSA. There's definitely more of them out there, but that's all that's in the PSA pop report. At a certain point in time, it became, I think at the beginning of time, it was the thing to do. 1910s, 20s, 30s, that kind of thing. And then it became a thing not to do. After Jefferson Burdick put out the great encyclopedia of baseball cards and then mail order became a thing for to buy cards and people were completing sets. And then it was like, no, you don't want your card signed. You want your card the way it came out of the pack to complete your set. And then it, and, and that took, takes us through till really quite recently when all of a sudden we see more and more people saying, well, I want to further differentiate my collection from everybody else's by adding the player's autograph. And I'm talking about the vintage guys, right? The guys that didn't sign a ton of them, but they did sign some, they signed some all the way, all the way through the years. So those are the ones where there's exceptional value right now, because there's not a ton of them out there. And the population reports are what we use to gauge the, the total existence of them, you know, how many there are out there. So it, and that drives a lot of the value is how many are on the pop report as, as it should. I, I can't dispute that among the people who put, who attribute value to these things. And again, I'm talking about vintage players. I'm not talking about modern right now. So, but yeah, I think we have to be challenging things. Mookie Chilson says, I love my 68 tops, Tom Seaver. He held the card, left his mark on it. And now it's in my case. It's so much more valuable than well to you than any high grade could ever be. And that's the beautiful thing. It's what Mookie wants. It's so much more valuable to Mookie. And that's, I respect that way of collecting. Uh, yeah. Matthew says on-card auto started around 94 to 96. Yeah, 96, exactly. You had the Heroes cards and then that was it. And then they came out Fast and Furious later. Uh, so clearly any players who died prior can't have packed gold, obviously. I would not be surprised at all if card manufacturers respond to the current interest. I don't know what you mean. Like, like, cut autos they... oh well they do that they've been doing that maybe he means like leaving a space on the card today's cards for for players like here's a sign it's called the it's called tops ip there's a box like the 52 mantle where the facsimile is yeah. go take these to the ballpark and get them signed maybe that's what he means that would be really cool uh that'd be really cool actually uh basketball card nerd not many people did get cards signed especially rookie cards because people literally believe yeah well that only started in like the 70s where people thought it was devaluing up until then it was that 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 doesn't that only holds true like from the 70s forward maybe even the 80s um philly joe i agree with cage however buyers will not care that's true buyers don't care that the player signs a card and now has altered the card from its original state but that's not a bad alteration it's a good alteration it's the only good alteration Bob's big boy says stories matter. Definitely. Mookie, Cage is right. Nolan Ryan Foundation puts a hologram sticker on the card too, but does not get an altered designation from the great, no, not from the grading companies. Good evening to you, Stukes. Great to see you. Brendan Ryan says, is the auto a liability raw? Yes, but authentication and slab isn't 100% either. At some point it becomes a leap of faith. Yeah, that's a great point. We were going to bring that one up. Is it just because these autographs get into the PSA slab or the Beckett slab or they SGC slab doesn't mean they're real. There are good forgers out there. It, uh, you know, that's why I, I, my auto, my IP autos, I want to get myself or from a very trusted source, not just a random slab online. Although you have to take that leap of faith 
and you have to trust the authenticators. If you're in that game, you, you, you've taken that leap of faith and you believe that the autograph is good, but, but they're not always going to be. If you, if you collect in-person autos and you've got tons of them, like a hundred, 200, chances are you got the odd fake that slipped through you and the grading company, unfortunately, but I think that's just the way it is. Uh, Matthew disagrees. There are clear cases where a signature makes sense, even if the player is not shown. Think a Cubs coach on a World Series celebrate. Yeah, there's always going to be exceptions to, but that's not a player card, Matt. I mean, I'm talking about if it's a Nolan Ryan card, the only person who can sign that card is Nolan Ryan. If, if his coach signs that card, that doesn't uh, that doesn't apply. I don't I don't think you're really disagreeing with me, Matthew. I think you're just talking about a, a, a different situation. Uh, Brendan says people are slow to adapt from the familiar, but eventually it takes root. And that's what seems to be happening, right? For the longest time, it was it was bad. And now people like them. So not, but people have always liked them. More and more people are getting into it as they're seeing more and more people change their position. And let's talk about that. What do you think about this recent, the recent, the proliferation of content and by content, I mean Instagram accounts and Twitter of people showing and being proud of their in-person autos as they should be. But we didn't see a lot of this up until recently. So what, what do you think's behind that? Anything in particular, Dennis? I, I think that the market is, is obviously slowed down and people aren't buying cards. Flipping is very difficult to do. We're just kind of seeing a continuation of that. If you have anybody who's still left in the hobby trying to make a dime, um, maybe this is a market we're trying to create where this is the new thing. Now you're going to spend more money on a, on an in-person auto on a card versus the pack pulled. Um, we're trying to, like I said, we're trying to create something. We're trying to make something out of nothing. Um, especially if it's a, if it's a, a player that is still alive, there's, there's no limit to how many more cards they can sign. So it's a fool's errand to think you're going to be able to buy a card and go, well, this is the last one I'm going to get. I mean, the pop's not going to grow. There's no way. And then if you start going from a grade standpoint, like you said earlier, grade's not that big of a deal. Well, then even further on, um, yeah, I don't believe in it. I think that, you know, another opportunity to dupe people. Um, this is just, it all goes back to this, man. I think you just, people just need to do their due diligence. It takes time. You need to talk to people that know and understand the market. You know, if I'm looking at hockey cards, I'm talking to Jeremy. I think I've said this before a while ago. I'm talking to Jeremy. I'm going to trust what Jeremy has to say. The guy knows hockey better than I will know hockey probably forever. Because the guy knows so much. He's many, many years. You know, if I want to know about Kobe cars, I talk to Spinatron. If I want to know about Ken Griffey Jr., Joey Peapot, or Rodney, I mean, or Marco, Bissio Jr., there's there's people you go to for every type. I mean, probably Michael Jordan cards. you got Cajun. You've got um, Chris Hoge. I mean, you, 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 LeBron, Penny Hardaway, Josh Carver Chronicles. Yeah, I mean, you can just list all the people that we all know, but there's people that really understand the markets. Do your due diligence. Find out whether in-person autos matter. Do in-person autos matter for that particular player? Are there cards you want to stay away from? Are there cards that just, you know, it just takes away from the aesthetic of the card? Maybe, maybe it's better to go for like a base tops rookie card for lebron whether maybe there's more of them and get an auto on that card maybe that card matters more i mean we, we want to talk to those collectors so i just feel like if you're trying to make something or create a market for it it seems fake it seems like we're trying to dupe people again and i i mean the base card craze it's it reeks of that that's my thought yeah no I, and that that makes me think like 
how do we how do we decipher what's going on? Because on the one hand, if you are passionate about in-person autos and you have a great collection going, why you should be able to show your collection off and share it with your community, your followers on Instagram or Twitter, wherever, just like anybody who shares other cards that people don't think that there's a, a big hype train going on about or any sort of pump and dump, dump kind of scheme. And I'm not, listen, I don't think that's what's going on. I, what I think is happening is that more people who collect those things are, are becoming more active on social media. That's what I see happening. And they're not only being more, they're, they're, they're being more active and they're getting more into the storytelling. They're talking about the pieces and why they love them and talking about the scarcity. Is it, is it a whole, you know, mission to drive up the values of these things so they can sell them? Or is it a whole mission just to share them and, and therefore they're driving up the values because more people are seeing them and thinking, oh, these must be popular. These must be acceptable now. Unlike the way when I remember them back in the eighties and nineties, you know, I, I never want to tell somebody, oh, you know, don't show off what you love, you know, cause you should be collecting as you like there. We've Matthew makes an excellent comment right here. He says, love the point about challenging the hobby assumptions. That's just about my favorite thing to do but I also am not preoccupied with investing. And then this sentence, it's easier to go your own way when it's about collecting. And that's the thing, right? If that's what you love, who cares what anybody else says or thinks? That's what you want to do. Do it. Really, I, I think that's- Well, unless you're spending a, a considerable, you know, material amount of money on a card. My thought is if you're going to spend north of $10,000 on a card, it, you need to be doing extensive research to make sure their card either matters. It's going to matter to you, obviously, most importantly, but it's going to, there's going to be an opportunity for resale. If you need to ever sell it for any reason, um, you'd like it to be an important card. Um, so like, I think it goes with anything else. You can challenge, you can challenge the hobby. I guess I was on the fence of like, or I was actually, you know, vocalizing, why can't we challenge it? But there's also a part of me that goes, man, if it keeps changing, it all the time we're just going to be chasing our tails with what's important you drop this much money on an important card that everybody seems to think is important for 10 years and then 10 years later no one cares about it anymore because they like this card well yeah you're gonna to have to really love the card you know what i mean it, it gets it's a very complicated conversation um it is and that's where that's where i say it a lot you know that's where being savvy is so important and that comes with experience and it comes yeah. with just having a bit of foresight as well but yeah, I mean, if you're spending 10 grand on a card because everybody likes it in 10 years from now or 10 months or 10 weeks from now, everybody doesn't like it. I mean, that's, that's, I don't know what to say. Sorry for your bad luck on that. I mean, that's really all, all, all you could say to that. You'd listen to the wrong person maybe, or the wrong or you people. Do, you do your due diligence rather, man. You keep that in mind. I and mean, you're not just making a decision because one person tells you to do it. It's not because you think everybody... You, you have all these different factors. I mean, I think if you're spending that kind of money, that's what that's the point I was making. You have like a checklist of reasons why this card is going to be worth that spend. It's not just, well, everybody thinks it's cool today. It, it's it's like many things, right? It's like all these different things have to happen before it's like you're doomed, right? Or the card, it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, you're, you're going to be smart about that decision. But the point I'm making is that people just constantly waver on what's important i think there's going to be core can you agree with me there's going to be core tenets of our hobby the unspoken rules that are probably they're foundational right they're foundational they're hard to move it's like moving the titanic or, or something big 
it takes a lot of inertia to make something really big move. It not only a lot of time, but it takes a lot of like thought and, and, you know, energy and desire to go, yes, this is more important. I, I see something on, on the comment section. It's back up there a ways. I don't know where it was, but it's asked, is it in-person auto better than, is an in-person auto more preferred than a sticker auto? And I will tell you right now, I think sticker autos are a shame. I don't know under, I mean, I know we want to get products out, but holy cow, I would rather have an in-person auto and, or a pack pulled auto that's hard signed than, than a sticker auto any day of the week. Yeah. I mean, listen, unless fanatics can take control of the players, it's going to be hard just because, just because there's league ownership, it's not going to change. And these players, I mean, they, they get so into their seasons, you know, and listen, I saw someone say the other day, you guys are throwing a ball for a living, sign your autographs. Like, yeah, that, that seems to make sense, but I think stickers are here to stay. You know, Brendan Ryan says, even if, if it means late release. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing people complain about the most is late release. Oh, one of the things they complain about the, the most is late release. So the card companies, they they are stuck between a rock and a hard place. They, they can't win whichever way they go. So I'm not, I mean, I don't even care to talk about sticker autos. It's just it's just a, a thing where, where we live with. Personally, I'm with you. I don't have any in my personal collection that I can think of. Maybe I have one or two. I don't like them. I won't buy them. It's a real easy line to draw and say, no sticker autos in my collection. Now, any card that's beautiful of a player I collect that has a sticker auto, it's eliminated. Saves me that money to go buy something else. So look at it that way. Look at it as a positive thing in a way, because now you don't have to buy those cards. Well, it's a clear, it's, maybe that's one of those clear tenets you know you don't have to really worry about that sentiment changing i mean cut autos are a little bit different right but i mean that feels pretty solid rookie cards are important you know those that feels like a solid there's tenets that you go yeah. okay there right? are and someone yeah. should write them okay let's go to some more comments here bob's big boy don't forget that michael jordan flight school was the best place to get a michael jordan autograph in person from 98 to 08 you could mail things in or take in person and get a uda uda certificate tell me those are second rate no those are awesome i mean those 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 are awesome that and that's that's a michael jordan that's specific to michael jordan though because he can't he can only sign for upper deck and upper deck doesn't make nba cards and so that's a that is a very specific situation and like i said before in response to matthew's comment there are exceptions to what all of us think about things a lot of the time and that's definitely an exception to the rule those are not second rate. Those are first rate, Bob. Bob's big boy. I think we all would agree with that. Stuke says I was getting on card autographs in the on card autographs in the late '70s, early '80s. We didn't have a local card shop or shows with groups of people telling us it wasn't cool. That's right. You did what you thought was cool, and I love that right there. Get good, Dad. Thanks for joining us. Good to see you. Bob's big boy says I think a better debate is what. Oh, sorry, we just did the. Oh no. A better debate is what's better, in-person or pack-pulled? Oh, sticker autos. Yeah, definitely not stick. Yeah, what's better? Neither. Like, for me, it's neither for modern-day players. I just want neither in my collection. I will. I look at in-person autos that, that that the local graffer got at the, at the arena or the baseball stadium, and half the time, they're not even that nice. The player, like, covers the whole card in it. Like, I want the autograph to be placed in a nice spot strategically. So what's better? Neither. To me, neither are better. But if I had to pick one, Bob's big boy, I'm going with sticker. 
and I can't believe I don't. But I'm I'm going to reserve the right to change my mind by the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> We're bouncing all over here, both of us. Vintage card collector. Can we talk about how beautiful many autographs of retired players look compared to the initials, the autographs of modern players? Most retired players actually care. Hundred percent agree. That's what else do we need to say though, Vintage? Except that you're you're hundred percent you're bang on. Very rare to find a modern current player who signs really nicely and cares about the autograph. Times have changed, but I, I'm with you hundred percent. Not sure. And do you have anything to add to that, Dennis? No, I agree. I think uh, yes. I, I think a lot of the players in the past definitely took care to sign. You know, and some of it's ballpoint pen too, right? But he still looks great. Nowadays, you have this like little squiggle that's like, am I really spending money on a squiggle? <laughs> I feel like my five-year-old could do that or my four-year-old could do that. It's and the kind of thing where like Morenci, I think, does the V. Like if I were to show that to my friend who's not in the hobby, they'd laugh my butt out of there. Like you paid yeah. for this? You, you paid, paid for that? that? It's like, yeah, <laughs> no, you're right. Like, what's I know, right? It's like, what is that? It's it's an embarrassment to the hot. It's an embarrassment for the hobby when you see those sorts of things. That's how I feel about it. Buffalo in the house, Dave Snyder. Welcome to the show, Chris Maxwell. If you don't collect just for fun, you're doomed. I mean, yeah, there there there, there has there should be fun in this. Otherwise, I mean, then then it's well, that's a whole other that's a whole other discussion, uh, Chris. But I think uh, I think there's I think you're onto something uh, there for sure. Melia says, unfortunately, if you have a large pack pulled autograph collection, they probably aren't all real either. Yeah, I mean, there's we've seen examples where someone's mother signs for them or, you know, secretarial site type of or, or what do they call them? Um, uh, I forget what the baseball term is, but where somebody else signs for the player so they don't have to do it. Secretarial is a big one, especially for presidents. But yeah. that that's going to happen. And at the end of the day, in that case, then, yeah, you just have to, again, be aware that that is something that, that could just like if you have a large slabbed card collection, chances are you've got trim cards. If you have a large patch auto, patch collection, chances are you have some some upgraded patches, some altered patch cards as well. So, But I think pack pulled autos, for the most part, might be the safest of all those things. Uh, it definitely is the safest of, of all of those things, I believe. Uh, Mike Petty says, I don't care to show the cards to anyone, but my grandkids, I collect cards I always wanted. I learned players' names after 15 years in the league, and then I don't buy them. And I don't, and then I don't buy them. Time tested 50 years. Do what works for you, Mike Petty. I mean, do what, and the fact that you only want to show them to your grandkids, I mean, you're a lifer, buddy. You're, you're, you've been doing this your whole life, and that's fine. Nowadays, myself included, a lot of us enjoy sharing our collection with our friends and followers on social media. It's, it helps build the community it also helps people understand what it is that you like and they can find better cards for you more cards for you and that happens all there's all sorts of benefits to that but there's drawbacks too i'm sure weekend up nate says is it possible for manufacturers to have players sign blank cards in bulk and then they can design the card the card on top of that i don't know how they would do that because they need to be printed on sheets they'd have to say i don't think that's possible weekend up nate i just don't think it's logistically or practically possible and that's why they use stickers for that exact reason because what you're talking about is not practical but stickers or or avery labels are practical mike petty has zero sticker autos fake patch autos or triple ioka logo man zero got it mike petty got it <laughs> 
See you, Matthew. Thanks for joining. Dave Snyder, if I got the auto in person, it's fine in my collection. If you got it, it's not in mine. Yeah, like that's what I said before you got here, Dave. I don't have any interest in owning an in-person auto of a living player that somebody else got. But I do have an exception to that. There is an exception. And I would rather get it myself. It means something special. You won't see me selling that or whatever. I mean, that's a special piece. It'll go in that special folder. I can tell you quickly about one exception I do have. And I do have these cards. In a, about 10 years ago, I was at the Sport Card Expo in Toronto, you guys. And the cameraman for Hockey Night in Canada had passed away earlier that year. And he would go into the locker rooms and get all the cards autographed by all the players. He worked in Montreal and he would get everybody's autograph on every team all the time. And his, his estate sold the collection to a local dealer who I knew pretty well. His, his was called the Icebox. His name is Wayne Fraser. He's still in the business. And I stumbled across his booth that, that day of the expo. And I grabbed the Gretzky, the Lemieux, the Steve Iserman, a whole bunch of them. And those are still in my collection to this day, to this day. And I love them because they come with the provenance that they are from the cameraman from Hockey Night in Canada, which if you're not from Canada, that's like Sunday night football up here. It's Yes. Yeah. Every Saturday night growing up, I watched Hockey Night in Canada. Don Cherry on McLean. I mean, that was that, and all those crazy suits that Cherry was wearing. I mean, that's growing up for me. Um that would be, but see, think about that story you just told. I mean, holy cow. That's the point. Look at the story. It wasn't you, but man, that story was, it got me thinking about, you know, when I was younger watching Hockey Night in Canada. I mean, it was the coolest thing. You're right. It was Monday Night Football. I never watched Monday Night Football as a kid growing up. I watched Hockey Night in Canada because by Canadian television, my mom's Canadian, blah, 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 blah. But, it, but your story has, you said provenance. It, it is very, um, it's heartwarming. It's nostalgic. It's got all these different, brings all these different feelings. That's what's cool about the hobby. That story is why in-person autographs can matter. Right. When, and that's why I brought back Bob's big boys comment from earlier. Stories matter. And that's why I like those cards. If I walked by Wayne's booth that day and he had acquired this major in-person collection of some random grapher who went and hung out, out hung out outside the Montreal Forum for years on end, I wouldn't have had as much interest because that's just the guy that got the autograph for a for his collection. But the fact that it was the cameraman for Hockey Night in Canada, now I can tell that story. Yeah. I mean, to me, there's and then I'm really comfortable that they're authentic and real. I I and the it's funny because like every every year he had the same players sign their new cards, so it it, it was an awesome collection. But that's an except that is the one exception I have in my personal collection in terms of IP autos, like non-packed hold. Can I ask you a question? How do you know? How do you distinguish that though? Other than us, other than you just telling us that story, how do you distinguish that it was the cameraman from Hockey Night in Canada that got those autographs? Well, so I mean, I trust the guy that I bought them from, and he told me the whole story about how he got them. There's a letter from the family that I got a copy of. Um, oh. I mean, all these, yeah, all these things that back it up. I mean, hey, could it be one big farce? Sure. I'm choosing to take that leap of faith. I believe in the story. And I mean, you know, at some point you just believe it. And, and if I got duped, I got duped. But the, the autographs all are all different. Like it, it all makes sense. Yeah. Um, Cobra Diamond says you're talking about class A autograph, class B, class C. I've never heard this terminology, Cobra Diamond, um, in, in all my years. Uh, but I'm not an autograph collector i'm a card collector some of which have autographs so i don't know what that means but i'm sure we are 
Jake Dahl says clubhouse signatures. That's when not someone else in the clubhouse at, at a, on a baseball team signs the card, not the player, uh, like similar to a secretarial signature. But yes, uh, thank you, Jake. For That's what I was thinking of was, was clubhouse signature. Uh, Bob's big boy. I do like when someone takes a nice game use jersey card, like a prime patch, and gets a nice IP auto on it if authenticated and slab, though a tough combo to beat when a game use patch is involved. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not of the same. Uh, that's not for me. I like my patch cards without autographs and my auto patches with them. Uh, but, you know, there are cases where I could see my me breaking that rule for myself and coming over to that side, Bob. I can definitely see certain instances where I would enjoy that as well. Uh, here's a question from Melia. What do you guys think of Topps Archives Signature Series? They're just taking a pack-pulled card and having a player sign it and reselling it at a higher value. Not much different than an in-person auto. So I don't really know what these are myself. Um, um, they're like buybacks. So basically what Topps does is they're called archives. And I think they're discontinuing the whole set. That's one of the sets they're discontinuing. So they won't be doing it any longer. But it's like those buyback autos, like, you know, I'll use Ken Griffey Jr., for example. He has a bunch of them. But the ones that are notable are his 1999 Upper Deck, which they bought back in 89 Upper Deck for the 10th year anniversary, and they had him sign 100 of them. And there's a certificate of, occupant, or a certificate of authenticity that comes with it. And then there's like an 80, like I bought an 89 Fleer that's out of 100. It has one of the most beautiful autographs you've ever seen. That's out of 100. It comes with a certificate, as a COA as well. And there's other cards like that for players. Now, Topps Archive started, you know, producing these cards like in the 2000s where they bought back all these different random cards from all these different players, you know, notable players, not notable players. And they had them sign them and they came in a box of just one. You bought a box for like, you know, $80 and it had one card in it and it was a buyback and they signed it. So and it was serial numbers, usually serial number two. Um, those are kind of cool because they're the original card. They stamp the original card sometimes. But what's even cooler are like, you know, and of course I'm bragging, I have one, but like the 89 Upper Deck or the 89 Fleer, it's actually a card from 1989 that was pack pulled or was in a set or something. They bought back, had Hank, had Ken Griffey Jr. sign it, and then the set gave it back to, I think it was Fleer. And then if Fleer authenticates it puts a little sticker in the back of the card and it, it goes it gets released into the wild it's put in boxes of that particular set that set was 2006 fluid tradition that yeah. that came in but i think that's cool personally yeah i do there are there are so i'm personally not a fan of buy buyback autos like if you buy if if if, if, a, if a company buys back gets cards from the 80s has them autographed and pack repacks them out into a product and you know and distributes them I'm not against it, but I'm not, I don't want them for my collection. I used to have some of those in hockey and I'm like, I don't need these. I've got the card unsigned from the eighties already. I've got the guy's autograph on modern cards. I don't need that card autographed. I got rid of them actually. Not for me, but there are, there are, there are exceptions. Michael Jordan had 23 Fleer, Fleer uh, rookies, 86 Fleer Jordans uh autographed repacked numbered to 23 those things are those are grails those are monster cards if 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 upper deck did that with with griffies and only did a certain number of them you know like to his jersey number something like that, that would be i'd be a-okay with that would i want one mostly like if i did i could just knowing myself it would really only be to show it off it wouldn't be for myself like that would be me trying to flex 
oh, look what I got, everybody. I can be one of the eight guys that has this card. Um, and 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 that's that's a cool thing. That's what it but, is. But I don't I don't I'd rather have the unautographed Griffey rookie and then an autograph a cool autographed card that came pack pulled for the first time that way. But again, mm. that's just the way I'm collecting, and that's me talking about myself, not saying that anyone else who do, does that is just showing off or flexing. No. People love these things, and that's that's fine. I mean, that's... But with a particular player that has so many... I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. has a thousand autographs. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of autographs out there floating around. I know for a fact, you know, down the street from where I'm at, at Mill Creek Sports, they he signs for them. So he just, they take all kinds of cards. So he's constantly signing, and he's in Seattle a lot now being a part owner minority owner so he's signing stuff non-stop so his card autographed cards by him even 89 fleers that he might get are just just there's an abundance of them so when you get a specific set that did something specific to make it special you know i believe that gives it a little bit more gravitas for that particular autograph for that particular set there's a lot of 89 and upper net griffies even psa 10s to get an autograph out of 100, I think someone here says it's out of 89. I don't think so. I think it's out of 100. Pretty confident in that. But if it's out of 89, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, I, I think it matters. But we can agree to disagree on that. That's okay. Yeah, no, it's not even it's not even a disagree. It's just the approach. It's just how we're approaching yeah. it and and what we like. We we can we can agree that we like different things. And that's I mean, that's hey, true. Very there's true. a million ways to approach this hobby, or, or more than a million ways to approach it. So, uh, but you know, as long as you love the way you approach it. I'm going to respect that. Uh, as long as you're not doing nefarious things and, and ripping people off, I don't care how, I don't care what you collect. I'm interested in it. I'm going to support you. I'm going to, I'm going to root you on if that's what you're collecting. I'm going to be happy for you. doesn't mean I have to want the same cards. I mean, that, that's just, that's, that's the beauty of this hobby. And that's the beauty of building the community and being a part of, of these online, uh, you know, communities really. So, uh, but Melia, yeah, great comment. And, um, but to me, I agree with the last part of this. Not much different than an in-person auto, because that's what it is. It's an in-person. They're buying the card back. Somebody, a person, is getting it autographed in person, and then they're repacking it out. Uh, not something that I'm collecting or, or plan to collect myself. But thanks for asking. Hockey cardboard. I've collected in-person autographs for 35 years. Started around the age of 10. Have some of every sport, every level, and enjoy it as much now as I did as a kid. Wonderful. That's that. That's that's awesome. Goes on to say, we'll be chasing some big hockey names tomorrow who are doing an on-ice training locally. That's pretty cool. Really cool. That should be a lot of fun. And uh, Matthew here says, I think those, oh, yeah, that's what you were just saying. He thinks the Griffies are out of 100. Okay, well, maybe someone can fact check that before the episode ends tonight. Chris here says, Topps Archives buyback is a scam. They literally have athletes sign a $2 card and make it into a $200 card. Is that a scam or is that... Is, is, is that really just offering your customers what they want? Because if these things are selling and people are buying the product, then I don't know if it's a scam. I mean, there's margins in every business. And this is, that's just a, they're not, and the other thing is they're not getting $200 for it. They're not making it a $200 card. The market is telling you it's a $200 card on the secondary market, I believe, unless they're buying it for $2 and putting it into a box and selling the one card for $200 into the market as unopened product, then I, then I agree that's true, but there will be cards that are, that are worth more than 200 as well. So it's going to balance, you know, it's going to balance out, but and that's, that's another, a, and that's another instance of going and doing your due diligence, find out from the player collect, if you're player collecting, 
or or if you just want to buy a certain card from a player you like, go find out from that player collector community which cards are sought after, which are the cards that matter. There's a lot of cards out there, and they'll you'll get a consensus of what the ones people, the card that people value, the the one that is you know maybe held up higher than others, and that'll help you make a distinction of whether it's worth two hundred dollars or not. So. Right. Cobra gives us some gives us a lesson here. Class B autographs or autographs where they sign hundreds of cards back to back with an okay looking signature. Class C autographs look like scribble scrabble, not even the letters match. So what's class A then? But yeah, I mean, class B, there's tons of class B autos. Chris Ojeda down here says there are so many PSA DNA cards out there for sale. Did you see the guy at the National with over 75? Beckett authenticated signed Griffey cards. So those would be class B's where Griffey just sits there and signs, 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 signs for the person who's paying. Beckett has a witness service where you can pave their witness to come to your event with his stickers and he will put it on your on your cards because he's witnessed the, the autograph of it. And that, that to me is if Cobra Diamond's information up here is correct, and I just don't know, I'm not saying it isn't Cobra or questioning your expertise, but if that's that's what this is. These are class B autos. And that's what a lot of these things are that you're that you're seeing. Never mind that. Even going to the TriStar booth of the National, and there's lined up of hundreds of people to get, I don't know, Jose Canseco's autograph. It's almost the same thing. A hundred of those people are gonna have card after card after card. It's kind of a it kind of sounds to me like that could be a class well, B. You think of, and think, when you talk about the classes, think about the intent of the athlete that's signing the card. With the buybacks earlier, why I like the earlier buybacks is because, let's say, I'll use Ken Griffey Jr. again because he's the only one I can think of, and I have, I have experience with it. He's given 100 cards to sign. He's got 100 to sign. He knows the significance of what they're trying to do for that card in the set. He doesn't, it's not like, here, just I'm giving you 100 cards to sign. Here, explaining them. These are cards we pulled back. He knows what, what he's doing for the most part. So he's, you ought to see the signature I have on my card. It is the most gorgeous signature I've ever seen in my life. And it's... It, but you can tell he actually put time into it. Well, like he wasn't just sitting with a big fat marker. He has like a fine, like a, it was like it's a it's a, one of those fine finer. You know, the lines are thinner. It looks really cool. It looks amazing. You can tell when those are nice. There, there's, there's there's like I guess you'd say provenance. There's like there's it makes it more special. The athlete knows this is a specific card. You know, maybe I'm I'm assuming that he knows that. And that's maybe that's a stretch and that's a leap there, but. I think that matters. I think that makes it more important and it adds some kind of value to it. I love that actually. I love bringing in the thought of what was the player's intent when they signed it. Were yeah. they with the were were they with the end consumer when they signed it? Like we would get at the TriStar booth or some kids and adults at the baseball field, or did they or are they signing it? They're literally given a hundred a hundred to sign by you know by a reseller. Is that now these things do very well on the secondary market? There, there's businesses built around these things, but I personally, not not for me in my collection. I want to get the autograph myself, or I want to pack pull it because I like that it's you know the design is made for it, all sorts of things like that. Um, okay, Cobra does follow up. Class A autographs is where the athlete takes their time to make a beautiful looking signature. Yeah, I'm this is this is a great takeaway, Cobra. Thank you for uh sharing that because I had no idea about this i listen i didn't know this and it does relate some with the cards yet i've learned about type one and type two photographs and i sort of know the difference between those but i didn't know the difference between the types of autographs 
Anani says that Upper Deck did a buy did buyback autos from their 1991 Upper Deck hockey set. Yeah, they did that a few years ago, one of their anniversary projects. Uh, really cool. But I don't own any. I had some. I bought them some in a collection once, but I sold them as, as quick as I could. They just weren't going to sit in my personal collection for uh, well at, at all, really. 90s hockey collector. I like buybacks. I imagine retired players going through their old cards and remembering their career. Cool. Cool. Uh, Chris says, you know what's rare? Kobe in-person PSA DNA cards. Now, that's a card that's unique to own. Okay, sure. But what's the big deal? Like, the Kobe autograph is the Kobe autograph on a card. I can go buy a Kobe autograph on a on a beautiful card that was meant for an autograph that's numbered to 10 or to or to, to 24 or to 8 or to 25, whatever it is. And I think get a problem, in many cases, maybe a nicer one, something like that. Um, and Dennis is showing us on his phone his uh, his 89 Fleer Griffey rookie with the autograph in person. It's hard well, to start. It, it's not yeah, it's kinda hard. To, yeah, it's kind of hard to see it. But that's the buyback. I mean, the autograph, the autograph, the pen used, everything is so nice. It's like, gosh, I wish more art athletes signed like that. It just it adds so much aesthetic to the card. It's such a boring card normally. So yeah, anyway. yeah, and I mean, hey, and you know, undermining all of these comments that I've made and people in the chat and you is that any in-person autograph, the players now held that card, and and Dennis asked me, you know, we were talking earlier. It's like. Is there a way to prove that the player touched that card? Is there DNA remaining on these cards? Will it ever become a thing? You know, PSA, yeah. their their service is called PSA DNA, but there's no DNA, like DNA, that's just a, that's just a brand, really. It's, it's simply a brand. There's no actual DNA uh, analysis that they're doing. Would it ever be a thing where people say, I want to know for a fact that this player touched this card, you know, especially the old guy, the roofs and the Gehrigs and the mantles. That's where I can see this being a thing and saying, can they find out if they're like, is there DNA, actual DNA on those cards anymore? Uh, that would be cool. That would be, that'd be an interesting service for somebody to get into. Melia, Melia says, if you're a collector, collect what you love. If you're a flipper, sell what people want. Simple. Yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Not a lot of facts in collecting, lots of opinions. Yes. That might be the one a tenet, uh, to use your word, Dennis, that, that will really endure here is, is that right there. Not a lot of facts, lots of, there are facts, of course, like, you know, timeline of, of things coming out and what, you know, not more, more pack pulled autographs are going to be real than fake, like way more, probably it's, you know, well over 99% are real. Um, but uh, good comment there, Melly. I like, I like that one a lot. Uh, Chris says, when an athlete refuses or the price is too much to sign a specific card and makes it more desirable for that card. Do you know of certain athletes who do this? Kareem does it for his rookie card. Yeah, I think he started to. I mean, I've seen stacks of his of his card autographed, uh, literally. So it's not that rare, but it's just expensive to get now that they realize what they're worth. That's a new thing. That's new as in, you know, coming back to Matthew's comment earlier about the 2020 cutoff. That's a that that I see as being a 2020 cutoff where the the athletes are like, okay, wait a second, I'm not just turning a $200 card into a $400 card. I'm not turning a $200 card into a $1,200 card. I want my cut. So I definitely get that. Uh, Vintage says underestimated how much the pen used matters. Yeah, uh, for sure that's important. Matthew says Dennis, the 99 buybacks were of 100. The 09 buybacks were out of 89. So we were both right. <laughs> very yep. nice. Very nice. Yep. 
That's absolutely correct. Yeah. We don't need to come to blows. Very, very nice. Oh, I was never that. Yeah. Tampa wondered about the DNA sort of thing with players handling the cards, right? Richie Rocket, and I know this guy. This guy's got the craziest in-person auto, maybe the best one in the world. It's hockey, I think, mostly. But Ooh. this collection here, it's it's unbelievable. Anyway, he makes his own cards, and then he gets them autographed. It's unbelievable, and they look amazing. Anyway, I like getting IP autographs on custom cards of many lesser-known players will never get certified autos from Upper Deck. Interesting. When I say best in the world, I don't mean versus, you know, a baseball Hall of Fame autograph collection. Or the other thing we haven't talked about yet, Dennis, is people who are out there aggressively collecting a complete set of signed 1961 Fleer basketball or 86 Fleer basketball or T206s, like 33 Gaudis. There's people doing that whole set signed. Those are, that's a really cool thing. It's a cool I, thing, but how in the world do you do that? I mean, most of those people are not with us any longer, and it's well, lots of money. You have eyeballs like a hawk. You're watching every auction site. You're 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 you have a lot of time. You have a lot of money, and you have a lot of patience. If you have those three things, uh, you can you can do it. But you have to have all those three. You have to have all those things: money, time, and patience. Because some some there's one known example for some of these cards, you know, and. and there may not be a complete set out there for, for the 33 Gaudis. There might be one player who never signed one. I don't know. I'm sure. I, I I mean, don't that's, that's a stretch in my opinion. Wow. That's, that's, not, I mean, a very uh, noble idea and, and venture, but holy cow. Stukes brings be- up the, in terms of the DNA on the card, there could be fingerprints remaining on the card. Yeah. That's it's getting some legs now. <laughs> this whole DNA thing. That's something. That's something. Mookie says PSA DNA and OJ Simpson card could be a game changer. Yeah, it could be. It could be uh, then brought into evidence uh, if you go if it goes to retrial. Retrial. Uh, yeah. Wait, we found a card with his DNA on it. Let's match it to the glove. Uh, wow. Hobby Champ says I only like IP autos on flagship rookie cards of players who never had certified rookie autos. PSA right. graded card and auto. Other than that, not for me. See, that's an exception. To hobby champs's approach, and I completely respect and under I get that. That makes that makes good sense. One cent sports cards says actual DNA testing. I mean, if we get to that, people, if we at that point, we all need to stay step back and prioritize what's important in life. Yeah, no doubt. Good, no good point there. Good, good point. point. Tampa says, Do you guys know how much the players are paid from the card companies to sign all these cards? I, I have an idea. I have an idea. I've had conversations with card companies. It goes from like, I understand it a few years ago when I had these conversations, it would go from like two bucks for the no-name rookies up to like a few hundred for the Gretzkys and Jordans and those guys. I don't think it was over a grand to get Michael Jordan to sign for Upper Deck or Wayne Gretzky or, or those guys. So I I think it's like, you know, six, seven, eight hundred bucks maybe for the most expensive player. But again, that was like five years ago. One cent can't even find a complete... Uh, Bowman 23 Invicta set, let alone a signed 33 Gaudi set, right? <laughs> right. And that's why you need time, money, and patience to do it. And then Chris says, do you know what type of pen athletes use to sign their uh, to sign their Chrome cards? I think there's some Sharpie or something. I don't know. I shouldn't say they're Sharpie. I know. I So this goes back 2009. I was at Upper Deck's facility and I was in the I was in a room where they that they used to test pens. Literally, I walked in. There was a table filled with different like card stocks, 
and and different types of like sharpies and other markers and i i literally saw they were i like i saw the the remnants of testing so i can tell you the card companies think about this they send the they send the pens to the players the players don't stock their own pens they receive the pens to do it mookie says i have an autographed 86 tops met set minus rusty stop jeremy no one in montreal who could help I, I i don't mookie i don't know very many people in montreal except for my my wife's family and my, my and my cousin bobby lives there too i'll, I'll see if, if bobby uh, has one but he hasn't been there long enough uh this facebook user says usually it's a stadler fine tip pen and i wonder who that is who are you who are you facebook user is that like billy from upper deck or is that carbon or who is that really curious who's that who made that comment or someone from a maybe it's irving or could be anybody but let us know who are you who are you facebook user yeah who are you fernando fernando, fernando bud hi fernando i'm not familiar i don't know fernando personally but um thanks for letting us know fernando the pen guy fernando the fernando the pen guy you got to change your name now to fernando the pen guy <laughs> all right any anything else that comes to mind for you dennis on this whole ip auto issue and the recent uprising in in people showing them on ig and and other social media i, I don't think there's any problem flexing i mean that's one of the reasons why i wanted to get the 86 fleer or 89 fleer the buyback when i got i mean the 89 upper deck there isn't very many of those either the 09 are like ghosts you never see them be, because of, i knew i was going to be one of the only ones who had i mean the only one that has a psa graded one i bought it raw and i got it graded and i graded the auto too as i was very confident the auto would come back at 10. and i just wanted it for my own you know just for me to have plus it's the only one graded by psa and i don't think there's any graded by bgs i could be wrong i'm fairly confident there isn't so it was just like a ghost and, and all the hobby community the grippy collector community I, I i i you know hang out with you know i feel like you know i'm the guy that has that car there's a lot of them out there there's people that have bought them and sold them but to have it graded and all that stuff is kind of cool to kind of have that sort of uh be the guy that has that card to me it's fun that's exciting i, I pay for that you know i i love it um but i i think that there's like you know it all depends like it all depends on the on the player the collecting base what's what's accepted what's not like i said before i think that's what matters it's all the story it's all your experience and your own your own decision your own feelings towards it not mine not dennis's not anyone's in this chats not anybody on instagram or facebook or twitter or TikTok, youtube it's what you like you know that collect yo we always come you know people make fun of it now because it's a cliche but it's a worthy cliche it's a cliche for a reason collect what you like collect who you like collect how you collect what you love all these things it uh it makes a ton of sense for sure and i think it's a good way to go about it uh this is uh that was fernando says from edmonton bud bought some jets autos from in the past so i do know you from uh i do know you in person hope to see you again soon one cent says i know a guy who has thousands of through the mail autographs and he gets and sends every day in person or not it's an insane collection that's amazing i mean that's amazing and what's cool is that if he keeps the return envelopes that he receives yeah. them back in to me that would be more story and i would like i would love that that's a cool collection and i can like i love it i love the collection is that how i do the hobby no i've never sent away for an autograph as so many people people have it's just not hasn't been my thing hasn't been my thing and that's fair it hasn't been a lot of your things and for some of you you guys do that and that's cool too i think it's awesome one cent thanks for sharing hockey cardboard was a middleman once for a company and a junior hockey star at the time 
They were paid five bucks per signature on a sticker and signed 5,000. That's a, there's a quick 25K, maybe not that quick, signing 5,000. No wonder their autographs stink a lot of the time. And Tampa, I thought they couldn't make money at that age, says that's good info though. I appreciate it. I've always been curious because it seems like such a pain to get signed all these cards for sure. Like 10 cards signed out of 10,000 back in the 90s. Like how, what do you sign 50 a day for 200 for 20 days? Like how do you, or 200 days? Like what a pain in the butt. One cent says to be fair, the guys who stand in front of dugouts at minor league and MLB games to grab an auto season in season out. At least, you know, a fan of the game got an auto, not a corporate monger. Yeah. And, and that's great for their collections, but then I want it. I don't want it. Like, I think it deserves to stay in their collection. I wouldn't want to buy it from their collection unless, unless it's like my nephew or my cousin or my best friend's kid or something like that, where I have a, where I have a personal connect, connection to the person who got it. Otherwise I, I just, I don't care too much personally. Uh, Tampa says, yeah, I'd want the return envelopes as part of the collection too. Yeah, for sure. That would be, that'd be key for me because even if you don't have all of them, it just shows the effort that went into it and it shows the time it took. It, it just adds that context. I love, I love that. I love that idea. Melia, no matter your opinion, I'm thinking if any of us run into our sports hero and we happen to have their card on us, we'd all have an in-person auto in our collection. Not true, Melia. Case in point, yours truly. I ran into Yaramir Yager at the National and I, I interviewed him for five and a half minutes. I had no desire to get him to sign anything for me. Didn't even cross my mind. Don't regret not doing it. I've got several of his autographs in my collection. No interest in it. But but that was a very you know specific... I don't know. I feel like I would have tainted the the, exp the experience by asking him to sign something for me. I was happy to talk to him and interview him. That's what I'm taking away. And I have it on video, so I don't need an autograph to, to, to help me remember it. I think the video is way cooler than an autograph. But but that said, to Melia's comment, I think Melia is in general correct here. I, I think you're right. I think there's going to be, I think I'm in the extreme minority in that in that case like extreme minority myself richie rocket says keeping all the return envelopes would be a big challenge in storage too many to keep i do however keep the letters that some players write back those are cool i mean fair enough richie and i know you've got richie would this guy would put posts on the hobby insider message boards that would take a week to read with all his pictures and storytelling from his excursion so all right we're gonna we're gonna wind up pretty quick here guys so uh, one cent says the coolest part of the through the mail collection is the notes the player sent back from time to time. Goody G is a YouTube channel is the guy who has the through the mail and his videos are great. Yeah, check him out. I mean, that's a storyteller right there. He's telling the story. He's reading the letter. That's cool. Those are best in his collection. I like, let me put it this way. Those are way better in his collection than mine. They will not be appreciated by him, by me like they would be by him. And I think that goes for a lot of people with these sorts of things. Uh, and then Altitude Capitalist, welcome to the show, says two weeks ago, I was the only member of my CC in the clubhouse. I don't know what that means. And Jack Nicholas Country Club. I was the only member of my country club in the clubhouse and Jack Nicholas walked in. I did not want an autograph. I got a picture with him and that means more to me. I'm with you right there. That, that, Asking for an autograph, I believe, sometimes does taint the experience because the athlete 
in the back of their mind thinks, ah, they probably want to sell it for money because they've been exposed to this their whole lives, their whole professional lives. They know that that oftentimes is the case. And they might think, oh, this guy's just being nice to me because they want to sell this autograph on eBay. And, and I don't want an athlete to have that feeling when they talk to me. So I just don't do it. At least I didn't do it with Yaramir Yager, who's an all-time legend. Like he's a, a top, he's not top tier, but he's second tier all-time hockey player. He's not a Wayne. And Wayne Gretzky sits alone. Well, Gretzky, Howenor, and then he's in that next tier. Maybe Lemieux's up there too. Yeah, can't right, forget Mr. Hockey, man. What's that? Can't forget Mr. Hockey, man. Get Wayne Gretzky. All right, guys, let's uh, let's ask the chat guys uh, in the chat again. Thank you for joining us tonight. Any com any final comments, uh, questions you'd like us to, to to answer? Not that we have all the answers, but you'd like our opinions on. Uh, as some as I think uh, Melia said earlier, a lot of lot of opinions in this hobby, not a lot of facts. And when it comes to a lot of the stuff, these are opinions. Happy to share ours. If anyone would like us to on anything else to do with in person autos, but to kind of summarize a few things, it's always been a thing. It's not just new because more and more people are showing them off on Instagram and other social media. We think there is a difference between getting, you know, in-person autographs like PSA DNA IP autos um, for dead players versus living players, players who died before 1990, let's say, and 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 now even players who died between 2020 and now to to feed into what Matthew was saying earlier. Um, dead versus alive you know hugely important to the kobe bryant example from just a little bit earlier that someone brought up you know why are people talking about this now you know i kind of said i think it's because there's more people doing it and you know uh it's attracting a crowd and more people are getting more active on social media uh those were my thoughts dennis do you want to summarize what your thoughts were on that i mean uh similar if similar very similar yeah i don't have much to add to that counterfeits will get through grading companies at times um are they altered this was a fun piece are these things altered well technically yes they are altered because they are no longer in the same state that they were out of the pack but it's good altered it's not bad altered it's not qualifier worthy altered on a slab it's good altered but they are altered and the only person who's allowed to write their name on the card is the person on the card there are some slight exceptions to that, like team cards. But like, like for example, both Nolan Ryan and Jerry Kuzman can both sign that card and it's okay. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, Tom Seaver can't sign the Jerry, the, the Nolan Ryan card. It, it, it's both, that's, well, that can't, wouldn't, do that. can't do that, right? Yeah, that would be, that'd be kind of weird. That'd be kind of weird. That, that'd be kind of weird. That wouldn't work. <laughs> but they are, they are altered, but they're okay. All, and the fact that they are signed by the player who's pictured on the card trumps the fact that it's no longer in the same state it was out of the car out of the pack and the hobby is i think correct to take the position that is that it is not that it does not need any sort of qualifier on the grading company slab that says anything other than certified auto I think that summarizes a lot of it. We got some great yes. examples tonight from everybody. One cent says a Kirby Puckett auto is already awesome. Just saying, yeah, for sure. Tampa likes the topic. Thank you, Tampa. Glad you did. And Bob is big boy. Bought seven binders of autos from a guy who had a working connection with Sports Illustrated. Two Belichick autos came back authentic from PSA with 91 and 93 inscriptions. Should have bought all 20 binders. Pretty cool. 
Pretty cool, Bob's big boy. LGC, thank you for joining. Appreciate you being here. Everybody else, thank you, everybody, for coming. Thank you to my co-host, Mr. DPZ, Dennis Zender. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Have fun. Good topic. Right. Let's keep talking about stuff. And with that, everybody, have a great, have a great rest of the week. It is Tuesday. Have a good week ahead. We'll see you all two weeks from now. Another episode of Taking Stock. Be good, everybody. Do your due diligence. This episode is now over. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.